identity is who we are, and it's so incredibly important. And it can be really confusing to try and figure out, especially if you're just basing it on your feelings. And God has something to say about who you are, and when we listen to Him, things become a bit more simple. Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. You or someone you know may have asked this question before, can I really just decide what I want to be? We're leaning into this conversation about identity and gender identity. This can be a sensitive topic, and we don't want you to take something out of context, so if you are listening, make sure you listen to the entirety of the message. These topics are tough, but God has something to say about it, and we're not going to shy away from it. Can I really just decide what I want to be? Here's Pastor Aaron. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Community Church, and we're so glad that you're joining us online this Sunday. We're excited to be worshiping together. And I know for some of you, this may be your first time. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you came across our feed. And we are so glad that you're with us. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're excited to be worshiping together this morning. And we're in this series of conversations called Asking for a Friend. Asking for a friend. We've been tackling some very difficult questions and some difficult topics, um, maybe that we're too embarrassed to ask, so we're asking for a friend. And it's been a great series. We've had some great feedback and um, a lot of great interaction, and so I know today's going to be good as well. We've had this overarching theme as we've walked through this series together, and it's this right here. God's Word is the foundation for our lives, not our feelings, not our opinions. So it's not even just what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. It's not what I read on Facebook or this person said this, but we're going back to the word of God and saying, God, what does your word say? And how do we apply that to our life? We want your word to be the foundation for our life. And so today's question is this right here. Can I really just decide what I want to be? And what we're talking about today is a topic that has continued to grow in popularity, that is a cultural conversation that's happening in a lot of different avenues and in a lot of different ways, and it's around the issue of gender identity. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you know someone that's wrestling through this. Maybe they have a young kid or a teenager who's talking about this. And so we want to approach this conversation and approach this topic today. Now, this is not an easy topic to cover But I believe, once again, as we look at God's word, that there's something he wants to say to us and speak to us. So let me start by giving just a few disclaimers. The first is this, is I'm not an expert in this field. I'm not an expert counselor or psychiatrist or even in the makeup of our mental and um, physiological, biological makeup of our bodies. But what I do have is God has given me experiences over the past few decades of speaking spiritual truth into people's lives, practically applying God's word into people's lives. And so as I went through this, I tried to do as much research as I can, Um, have watched hours, literally hours of videos, of conversations, of dialogues, of discussions, have read a lot of articles, um, read research and medical journals. And so I'm bringing, once again, the best that I can to the research, but not an expert in this field um, of study. But I do believe I bring a biblical perspective on this topic here. The next thing is I talked about this is a difficult topic, and today's conversation is not meant to belittle anyone. Or as we talk about this, if you're someone that's wrestling through the issue of gender identity, our goal is not to make you feel less or worthless in any way. And let me just apologize. Um, 
for maybe how the church at large, the kind of the worldwide church that we've, many times as we approach topics like this, we've struggled of how to talk about it, um, how to approach this. And we don't wanna bury our head in the sand and just think, well, the world will figure it out. Like everyone out there, they'll kind of do their own thing. No, we want to have intelligent conversations. We wanna be a part of the voice that God is bringing to the world to speak truth and to speak the love of God to the world around us. And so our goal is not to make you feel less in any way. Also, I know this, that as we go through internet content and as we're kind of scrolling through our feeds or looking at different things, we can sometimes catch a snapshot, maybe 30 seconds here, two minutes there. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I get the idea. But with today's topic, like I said, this is a difficult one. And my challenge for you is not to take a soundbite not to take something out of context and think, yeah, I thought Christians would think like that, or of course the pastor's gonna say that, but to listen to the message in its entirety and to hear what it is that I believe God is saying to us and what God wants to challenge us with. And so I wanna encourage you, um, as you wrestle through this, if you wanna engage with this topic, to not just listen to a part of this message, but to really lean in, to listen to the voice of God, to go back and look at some of the scriptures of what God is saying, and to wrestle with what you believe, and why do you believe what you believe. So let's look at this question. Can I really just decide what I want to be? And as we dialogue around this topic, and as I begin to research this, there are some terms that have kind of come to the surface, um, some new terminology as we look at this. Now, maybe you've read, maybe you've heard other people talk, and you weren't familiar um, with some of these terms. So let me start by just explaining some of the terms that are used as we talk about gender identity um, here in our culture. The first is this, it's cisgender, C-I-S, gender. And that's those whose gender match up with their biological makeup. So how they were born, that's referred to as cisgender, those that are the same gender as their biological makeup. The next term is transgender or trans um, is how people refer to that. And that's someone who doesn't identify with their biological sex that they were born with. And so they're transitioning from one gender to, the, um, to another, and that could be through their um, outer Apparel it could be through their identification. It could th be through a biological change, their biological makeup. They could be transitioning in that, and that's referred to as trans. Another term is gender fluid. That's someone who feels their gender can change and vary over time. So it can move back and forth between um, the two binary genders, and that can change over time. Now, that doesn't mean as I begin to read this, which you may have this thought process, well, does it change day to day? or week to week, and for some it may be more sudden changes like that, and for others it may be longer periods of time, so maybe for a month or even um, a year they may identify as one gender, and then that may change, and then it may go back, gender fluid. Another term is non-binary, and that is those who don't just identify as male or female, but what's known as a spectrum in the gender um, kind of scope or gender spectrum, and they fall somewhere in the middle, maybe a little bit more on one side, maybe a little bit more on the other, non-binary. The final term is pronouns. And that's the terminology that is used to reference people um, that may be non-binary, that may be transgender or gender fluid, um, that don't fall into your typical male or female categorizations um, of gender. Now, this is in no way a comprehensive list. There are so many, and as I walk through different articles, um, I heard people say, well, there's not really a, 
a set number of genders. It's just kind of all over the place. And it's a universe and you pick your point on this. And so this isn't meant to be a comprehensive list, but to give you an understanding of some of the terms that you may come across as you dialogue about this. Now, the media is jumped on this. And there are endless amounts of articles and newspaper clippings and um, even research that's been done around this topic of gender identity. Can we really just decide who we want to be? Um, Or what does our makeup say? What does biology say about that? And so talk shows are talking about it, um, kind of fashion magazines, all of these different avenues are discussing this topic right here. And so you can go on the internet and you can search a lot of different things. I came across an interesting article that was not from a Christian perspective, but they noted what's happening even with TV shows that are presenting a nostalgic feel. So have a setting and a plot line that's found maybe a few decades ago in the late 70s, early 80s, maybe even into the early 90s, where some of the main or supporting characters are either transgender, gender fluid, non-binary gender individuals that identify that way. And they're presenting that they're a normal part of society, that this is something that was just happening. This has always been a part of our culture. Now, once again, not to say that people did not feel that way back then, or not to say that people didn't even identify that way back then, but to present it as a normal part of life and a normal part of culture is a deviation from the reality that was happening at that time. Yet TV shows are trying to present this, that this is the way that it has always been. There are a lot of medical studies and psychological studies that are being done on this. And so um, psychologists, counselors, they're jumping and kind of throwing their opinion and their thoughts into the ring as well. There was a journal of pediatrics that did a study in just one state, and they found out that this is rising, that 3% of teenagers identify with, um, or do not identify, I'm sorry, do not identify with the traditional gender label of boy or girl. So 3% Once again, this is just in one state. Another study out of UCLA done about a year ago estimated that 0.7% of teenagers identify as transgender. So this is a rise. Once again, they're studying this. Psychologists, um, pediatrics, um, psychiatric individuals, medical professionals, they're studying all of this to find out what's going on with this trend. Counselors are talking about this because this is no longer considered... um, a medical health issue. It's been declassified as that gender identity and it's become a normal part of society. And so they're studying, um, why is this rising? What's happening? Why are the numbers going up? What's taking place? And is there any ramifications for our psychological or our mental health that's taking place with this? Now it is difficult, but you can find people that are kind of throwing up red flags and saying, hey, let's pause this for a moment. And let's see really what's taking place. We need to study this and understand it before we just accept and jump into this as a society. One of the counselors um, in one of the studies that was given mentioned we need to be cautious because there are outlying mental health issues that have been discovered in a large majority of those that would consider themselves non-binary or transgender So outlying medical health issues that may need to be addressed before the issue of gender is addressed in their life. So there may be other things going on that we need to talk about. Um, Once again, I came across this article that was not very popular, but where someone said, hey, this is one of the most horrible social experiments we are doing with our kids when we're giving young children hormone-altering drugs 
at the age of seven, eight, nine, ten, into their early adolescence, we're giving them hormone-altering drugs, and we have no studies as to the long-term effects of those drugs. What is it going to do biologically, physiologically, mentally to a kid at that age, telling them, hey, you can identify with a different gender? Once again, not coming from a Christian point of view, but just saying, hey, have we studied this? Have we researched this before we kind of do this social experiment on our kids? We need to be cautious about this. So there are people from both sides of the spectrum talking about this, having conversations about this. And once again, as a church, we don't want to bury our head in the sand. We don't want to ignore the conversations, but we want to go to Scripture and we want to look at what God's Word says. And we don't want to, once again, isolate a certain group of people, make anyone feel less, but we want to go to Scripture and say, God, what does your Word say about our identity? Can I really just choose what I want to be? Or is there something Scripture says about this? And so as we walk through this, I'm going to give a number of different Scripture references I'm going to cite a different passages in the Bible, and I want to encourage you to do this. Take notes. Write these things down. Go back later. Look at them. Study them. Reflect on them. What is it that Scripture is saying? And so this first kind of question that we want to look under this umbrella of gender identity is, where does your identity come from? And the Bible does talk about this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God talks about this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, if you have them, you can go right to the beginning. If you have a physical Bible, go right to the beginning of that. Um, you may have to flip over a few pages past the title page, but it's right at the very beginning. Or you can open up a new tab in your browser and you can look at that. And um, we'll follow along this. Once again, Genesis chapter one, God begins to write this beautiful poetic poem of creation. Because we weren't there at the first few days, God begins to tell the picture of what's happening in, um, in the Hebrew language. It's got this beautiful rhyme and kind of rhythm to it as God begins to talk about what's happening at the beginning and at the end of each day and what he's doing as he speaks light into his creation, as he puts every star into place as mountains are formed and rivers are formed and even creation itself, animals and life is called forth in the sea and on land and the birds of the air. And then in Genesis chapter Chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So right at the very beginning, right as God had formed us and breathed the breath of life into us as God is creating us, he already marked us with his image. He gave us an identity when he said, I'm creating men and women in my image, male and and female. They are going to bear my likeness. They're going to bear my image. This is the identity that God spoke over us at the very beginning. So if you're listening to this, you are marked with the image of God, either as a man or a woman, either as a girl or a boy. You are marked with the image of God. You bear the image of God to the world around you. That's what God said. And then he invites us, partner with me. 
and fill the earth with my image that every day we would be a picture as God has designed us, as God has created us to be of his image, of his glory, of his love, of who he is to the world around us. He invites us as kings and queens to rule over the world with him. He invites us into his story to rule and to reign, to subdue, to multiply, to fill the earth. We bear the image of God. Our identity isn't just up to us. God has marked us with his image. And this is the picture that God has, that in the year 2020, that 7 billion people now filling this planet, that we would wake up, wipe the sleep out of our eyes and start our day with this question, God, how do I bear your image to the world around me? God, how do I show the world who you are as you've designed me, as you've created me to be. God, I'm marked with your image. God, I'm marked by your identity. God, I'm marked with your purpose. God, how do I live that out in the way that you have called me to live that out? That's what we're called to do. We're called to display the image of God and we're called to see every person, every individual as people who bear the image of God. Can I tell you this? We fail at this so much. We royally mess this up. Just what's been filling the news feed with a young African-American man in his mid-20s in Georgia who's out on a run and two other individuals um, of a different nationality, of a different ethnicity, take off after him. And they attack him with lethal force and they take his life when he was just out on a run. And no matter what circumstances or no matter what's discovered in the investigation, I have to believe that situation would have looked differently if they would have woken up that day and said, God, how do I display your image to the world around us? How different would it look, students, if you were interacting with your friends, if we went into our workplaces, if every part of our life we looked and we saw other people bearing the image of God, if our sole purpose and our identity in our life was wrapped up in this idea, God, you called me from the very beginning to display your image, God, to display your mark. You put your hand upon me as a man or as a woman, as a boy or as a girl, God, to display your image to the world around you. So where does my identity come from? It comes from God. At the very beginning, he speaks this out. That's why there's this powerful interaction. One of my favorite stories about Jesus is in Matthew 22, verse 20. And there's this religious people, and they're trying to trip up Jesus and get him to say something that'll get him in trouble. And so they're like, Jesus, um, should we pay taxes? Like, what do you think about politics, Jesus? What's going on here? So Jesus with all wisdom answers them, bring me a coin. And so they do. And just like our money has presidents on it, their money had the um, inscription or the image of Caesar on it. And Jesus says, whose image is on that coin? And they're like Caesar's. And he says, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. Do you get what Jesus is saying? Is He's like, don't get hung up on money. Don't get hung up on external things, but look at your own life. Don't get worried about taxes. What he's saying is you need to worry about is your life bearing the image of God? Have you given all that you are to all that God is every day? Are you putting on display his glory? How different would our world look if 7 billion people woke up and said, God, my identity is wrapped up in you. I bear your image to the world around you. 
to show your glory, God, to show your love, to show your compassion, to show who you are. Now, if we know we bear the image of God, either as men or women, what does that mean? Can, can I choose that? Does God have something to say about that? And in Psalms 139, we have this beautiful poem that God, the psalmist is writing from the perspective of God looking over our lives. And so Psalms 139, once again, I want you to go back and read that in its entirety because it's beautiful. But let me paraphrase just parts of it where God says, before you were even born, I knit you and I formed you in your mother's womb. I saw you. I wrote about every single day in my book before you had lived even one of them. I formed you in the innermost parts of your being. I know the deepest parts of you. Now answer me this. Does this sound like a God who messed up? Does this sound like a God who's disengaged from who we are in the depths of our soul or even our biological or physiological makeup? No, this is a God who's intimate with us. This is not a God who says, okay, well, um, whoops, you're a man biologically, but in the innermost parts, I made you a woman and I messed up, but now you go out on your own and you figure it out and you take care of it. No, God was very intentional when he created us. The Bible says in Psalms 139, how wonderful are your thoughts of me. I lie down, God, and sleep. And when I get up, you're still there, God. He's intimate with us. He's close to us. He wants to be near to us. And so he hasn't left this up to just maybe some chance. He hasn't left this up to some kind of random discussion. No, he said very intentionally, I created you. I formed you. I made you. I have a purpose for you to bear my image to the world around you you to display who I am as men, as women, as boys and girls, to display who I am to the world around you. God formed your soul very strategically and intentionally. He did not leave it up to chance. And so maybe the next question is, after where does my identity come from? If it comes from God, well, then does God have a say in my identity? Does God have a say in your identity? Can God speak over that? And this is what I believe as a follower of Christ. Yes, he does. He speaks very clearly about this, about even when we wrestle with these issues of identity and, and all of this gender identity issues that we face. And so once again, I'm gonna give you a few sections of scripture. You may not be able to turn to all of these, but write them down and go back. You can look at them later. This is what God says as it, it comes to our identity. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Paul's writing, this writer of the New Testament who wrote many of these letters and these books that we have. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what I want you to get right here. Verse 11, and such were some of you. That used to be your identity. 
that used to be who you were, but when you came to Christ, he justified you. He removed your sin from you. He sanctified you. He created you in his image. He formed you. You're now a reflection of God to the world around you. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Ephesians 2, 10 says this, we are his workmanship. Have you thought about that? You're God's masterpiece. He didn't mess up with you. You're his workmanship, his masterpiece. You're his creation. He's forming you. He's shaping you. He's molded you. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He already knew what he designed for you, what he ordained for you, that we should walk in them. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Does God have a say over your identity? If you're a follower of Jesus, you better believe he does. You better believe he does. And as a follower of Christ, it means I've taken every part of my life and I've surrendered it to his will. Once again, as a follower of Christ, my life is not directed by my feelings. It's not directed by my opinion. It's led by God and his word and what he's spoken over me. And I remember I'm his workmanship, I'm his creation, I'm his masterpiece that he's putting on display for the world around me. He did not mess up. He spoke with intentionality. He spoke with purpose when he spoke over my life and my heart and my soul. All that I am belongs to him because I've submitted my life to him. And I want you to hear me, that does not take away these feelings. You maybe have family members that are saying, but this is the way I feel. And that does not diminish what they feel. And it does not belittle what they feel if they're struggling. Hey, I feel this pull though to a different gender, to a different identity. But as followers of Christ, we're called to even submit those feelings to Jesus, to submit all that I am to who he is. You know, I've developed this new practice as I start my day this year, and it's to try to be silent before God and to listen to his voice. And so I wake up most mornings at around four o'clock when the house is still quiet and the kids aren't running around and it's not chaotic. And I just sit for the first hour and try to listen to his voice. Now, if you know me, I'm a little energetic, um, creative, like thoughts are always going in my mind. I love thinking about stuff. And so almost every day, like the first five minutes are just thoughts going every which way. And so I've begun to do this. God, in this moment, I set aside my identity as a husband. So I'll be thinking about Sarah and what I need to do. God, I set aside my identity as a father. Place that aside. God, in this moment, I'm not a pastor right now for the next hour, God. I'm not a leader. I'm not even a disciple maker, God. I set aside those things, God. And right now, I'm just your son. And I don't know why, but you've called me your friend. And God, you've marked me as your creation, God. That's who I am. And so God, what is it that you wanna say to me right now? See, as followers of Christ, we constantly come and surrender all that we are for all that God is. And listening to these different conversations and these different dialogues, I know this is difficult. All of us struggle with this idea of, 
identity. It may not be around gender, but I've heard Christians say, well, well, Aaron, I'm trying to be a follower of Christ, but man, I'm a recovering alcoholic. That's just who I am. I'm a follower of Christ, but man, I'm a drug addict. Like I just fight the same addiction over and over again. I'm a follower of Christ, but man, I'm just someone that's angry. I can't control my temper. That's how you want to identify I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm confused about my gender or even my sexuality. And for all of those, I would say, hey, that's how we want to identify. It should just be, I'm a follower of Christ. That's it. There's no labels that we want to put on that. There's nothing else that needs. My whole life, my whole identity, all that I am is surrendered to God for all that he is. I've submitted everything that I have and I've laid it down at his feet and I've said, God, I don't want anything else other than what you want for my life, God. I submit it all, all of my feelings, all of my opinions, God, all of my titles, all of my positions, God. I lay it down at your feet for all that you are, God, and for all that you want for me. And so I've heard a lot of people around this topic say, Aaron, are you telling me to deny what I feel? I'm not. That's what Scripture says. Scripture's the one that tells us to do that. Scripture tells us that that if we at any moment have feelings that do not line up with the Word of God, if at any moment our thought patterns don't line up with God and what Jesus wants, that we submit those to him, that we are not led, we are not directed just by our feelings, but that we submit those to God. We deny ourselves. And whether that's around the issue of gender or whether it's around the issue of other things in your life, we submit everything that we are to Christ, all that we have for all that God is. And so that's what scripture asks us to do is to look at what God has designed for our life. What has God spoken over our life? And no matter anything else, and I'm telling you, even as a follower of Christ, there are still days that I have to come and say, God, that thought pattern, that pattern of thinking, it is not in alignment with you, God. This is what I feel right now, but I know you've spoken something different, God. And so once again, I come and I lay it down. Once again, I submit it to you, God. I don't wanna identify as that, God. I'm a follower of you, God. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. That's what you have spoken over my life, God. And so he asks every one of us to come and submit all that we are to his design, to his plan, to his purpose. And even though it may not make sense, even though it may not feel like it, when I submit my life to Christ, I truly believe that his plans, his purpose, his design, His shaping and forming of my life is better than anything I can come up with on my own. It's better than anything I could imagine in and of myself. So when we realize this, what do we do if we know someone who feels like this? Or maybe you're watching this and you're feeling like this and you're wrestling with, God, I feel this way. I'm being told I was created another way. Like, what do I do with this? Let me challenge you in a few ways. The first is, if you know someone or if you're having these conversations, church, hear this. We love like Jesus. We do not belittle people. We do not disrespect people. We do not speak in an argumentative or in an 
in a nature that would make anyone feel worthless. I do not believe that's what God has called us to do as followers of Christ. We're called to speak the truth in love. And the beauty of this, can I be honest with you, is God didn't come just to change my behavior. When Jesus approached me, he didn't say, Aaron, you've got some really bad habits. Come and follow me and let me give you a 10-step plan of how to change some of those things. He said, Aaron, you're far away from me and I want to be in relationship with you. So as followers of Christ, we're inviting people into relationship. Has Jesus changed some thought patterns and some behaviors in my life along the way? You better believe it because I had some messed up, destructive behaviors. But we love like Jesus. He invites us into his presence. He invites us to be near to him. And so that's the invitation that we give to others, not to come and change their behavior, but to come and know Jesus, to come and know his love. We speak with grace and truth. We don't wanna be people who ignore the truth that there are, there is a way that God has made us. There are things that God has spoken over our life that it's not just our choice, So we don't wanna ignore that truth, but we also wanna have this beauty of grace. In the gospel of John, he starts with that. Jesus came with grace and truth, and there's such a beauty in that as we speak to others. And so we want to do that, not condemning, not judgmental, not to tear others down, but also not to ignore the truth of what God's spoken. We speak with both grace and truth to those that God has called us to talk with. And we wanna have open and honest dialogues. I love how one person I was listening to, he talked about this and he said, you know what, we can disagree and not be disagreeable. As followers of Christ, we can disagree with others and not be disagreeable. And so we can have open and honest conversations and people may see this differently than we see it, but we wanna open that discussion. We wanna open that dialogue. We don't wanna bury our heads in the sand, kind of metaphorically as believers, um, but we wanna be able to talk to people and speak respectfully. And we want to listen, not just talk over people, not argue with people, but an open, honest conversation, even when people see this differently than we see it, and be able to listen and to dialogue with one another. So how do we respond? I wanna challenge you that the first thing you would do in hearing this message as you may be thinking about someone or thinking about conversations that you could have, the first is to pray. I spent so much time just praying over this message because once again, I was afraid. What if someone just catches a soundbite, God? What if someone just hears one thing and thinks, yeah, that's the way that all Christians are? What if they misinterpret, God, what it is that I think you're saying through us? And so I just covered this message in prayer that God, somehow your truth would come forward. God, your grace would be felt from everyone hearing this message, God, and that we would somehow, God, continue to be a better reflection of who you are. And so we cover this in prayer, just like we cover every part of our life. God, help us to speak in grace and truth. God, let the truth of your word be revealed. I've been praying for our kids and teenagers that are constantly being bombarded with messages like this. I think it is a very dangerous thing when we have taken an identity from a whole group of people And now ambiguously, they're kind of left to float out there and find out for themselves and try to discover who they are when there's some very specific things that God has said for us. That's a very dangerous place to be. We need to pray for our students and our teenagers and our young kids that are facing conversations like this. For all of us, how do we respond? 
you wake up every single day saying, God, how do I bear your image today? Every single day you wake up saying, God, how do I put on display, God, your glory and goodness, God? How do I partner with you and rule and reign on this earth, God, and display your love and your compassion and who you are to a world that desperately needs to see that around me? How do we respond? Each and every one of us say, God, how you formed me, how you created me, God, let me put your goodness on display to the world around me. God, let me live as an image bearer of you to people that desperately need an identity, who desperately need to see a picture of you, God, who desperately need a foundation, God, let me be that picture to the world around me. Today, we want to live as those kinds of people. Let me pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask you to take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be listening to this and you may have felt far from God, You may have felt that God is here to judge you or condemn you because of feelings or questions that you have in your heart, but I'm here to tell you, he's not. He's inviting you into a relationship. The whole purpose why Jesus came is he wanted to be close to his creation. Sin had separated us from God and God couldn't stand the thought of that. And so he desired to draw near to us and to bridge that gap. And the Bible says that we can't do it on our own. You can't try to be good enough. You can't try to fix yourself. We come and we submit and surrender our life to Christ. We acknowledge that we've sinned, that we've rebelled against God. We've disobeyed God in thousands of ways and that we recognize we need a savior. And that may be you listening to this this morning. And if that's you, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna ask you to repeat this after me. You may be praying it for the first time. You may be recommitting your life to Christ. But I want us to pray this together. And if you're in a room full of people, let's all say this out loud together. Let's pray this. Jesus, I come to you. Lord, I realize that I have sinned and I'm in need of forgiveness. I pray for you to come into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. Help me to live as your masterpiece to the world around me. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Pray for our church, pray for your family, that we would be able to have open and honest conversations about difficult topics like this and speak with grace and truth. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we wanna know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.